Hello, I'm Paul Cuddehy and welcome to this special Read All About It podcast series, The 12 Days of Bookless. Do you see what I did there? And here's what you can look forward to. 12 days, 12 guests and a whole host of great book recommendations as each guest chooses their favourite fiction and non-fiction read of 2020. Well, I also choose a book I've enjoyed reading this year. So listen, enjoy, subscribe and spread the word about this special Read All About It podcast series. Hello and welcome to the 12 Days of Bookmas, this special podcast series brought to you by Read All About It podcast. I'm delighted to be joined today by writer Margot McQuaig. Margot, thanks for joining me on the 12 Days of Bookmas. Uh, lovely to be here and happy Christmas in advance. Yes, and same to you as well. And when I've been doing these, the 12 Days of Bookmas, and uh, obviously I've been asking people to choose their favourite fiction and non-fiction book of the year, which has just been interesting for me just to see the sort of things that people are reading. And again, one of the questions I've always asked people is, how do you, in terms of your, your reading year, are you veering more towards fiction or non-fiction, or is it split down the middle? To be honest, Paul, this is my worst year of reading since I was probably able to read. I think I've read less this year, honestly, since I was probably about six or seven years old. I think um, the, the whole pandemic thing just, just made it really impossible for me to lose myself in books, which never happened to me before. So I think when you're asking me about my choices for 2020, I think really we should be saying this is Margot's choices for October. Because really, that's how bad it was. I mean, the first few months of the year, I was really, really busy finishing off a film. So come the end of March, that was me ready. You know, I had a huge pile of books. I was just getting ready to get stuck in. But I think as soon as the pandemic hit, Work demands became incredibly difficult and, you know, just kind of trying to navigate a whole new way of working and, and you know, work with people in a whole new different way. And, and also just the whole kind of, not stress of it all, but I think you just kind of, I disconnected a little bit creatively. So I couldn't really read. Anytime I picked up a book to try and read, I just couldn't get myself into it. So it was months before I really could. And then I think I read like a book every two days uh, in October to make up for it. It was wonderful getting that feeling back again. It's interesting. I, f- I feel that people have, over the last few months, obviously there, there's anecdotal evidence that more people are reading and, you know, there's been more book sales, etc. So people have either gone one or two ways. They've either read more or but I have spoke to quite a few people who, similar to what you were saying, found it very difficult to kind of get immersed in books and it, it took a bit of time to adjust to the kind of new reality. It's really strange because, you know, that's what I do all the time, you know, lose myself in books and, and quite why... It just must have been something psychological. I don't know what it was, but I just, I think I was too focused on ensuring that everything was right in reality. You know, I really, really had to concentrate and, and, and getting everything in order. And honestly, I just wasn't able to separate it. But very, very joyous moment when I realised that I was free and I could, I could read again. Well, if we start with your, your non-fiction choice, and I, I, I remember at the time, I think it must have been when you read it, that you tweeted about it, but the book you've chosen is A Ghost in the Throat by Derin the Griefer. As I say, when I saw the tweet, I investigated it at the time, and it sounds an amazing book. What was it about this one that's kind of stood out for you? So I think there was a couple of things. Firstly, when I saw that title, I thought, wow, that's really intriguing. It just sort of, you know, it kind of opened up all kind of sort of potential for me, wondering what it could possibly relate to. And actually, it is a very relevant title once you get into it. But also, I had actually come across Jira on it was either Twitter or Instagram or, or one of the social media channels where she was reading poetry. 
and I was blown away by her. Um, I just think she's got something incredible about her. And when I saw that Tramp were um, publishing this book, and they did a really nice lead into it, and she fascinates me as a writer. So really, I was really, really excited for it coming out, and it honestly didn't disappoint. I remember I did this podcast with you a while ago, and you were talking about one of the questions was a, a book that changed your life, and I chose a poem. But see this book, I think this is like the equivalent to that moment I had in my teenage years. It's, it's absolutely astonishing. I know I've selected it as my uh, non-fiction book, but I've seen this book actually described as a uh, near fiction and autofiction and memoir and non-fiction. It's a fascinating style and a fascinating genre. So really it's, it's the author's story. So she was really fascinated by this uh, woman who wrote a, 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 an amazing poem in the 1700s after the death, the murder of her husband. Um, and, you know, she drank some of his blood and, the, and then she wrote this epic, epic poem. And Didden had read it when she was quite young first. I think she was about 11 years old and it really had this impact on her. And then when she started writing the book, it was a period in her life where she says that, you know, things were changing for her. It was a particularly difficult period in her life. She had four young kids under six. Um, you know, she was working on her writing career and her, her poetry, but this poem from this writer came back into her head and it always kind of stuck there like this ghost in her throat. And she was fascinated by the writer and what happened to her. And I, I guess like many, many women from history, um, it's not so much that their story has been forgotten, it's that their story was never remembered or, or ever written properly in the first place. So she kind of went on this journey of trying to trace what actually happened to her. Alongside that, you're kind of developing her own story. There's lots of things happening in the author's life at the same time. And you've kind of got this double jeopardy of things that she's uncovering, you know, in her quest to find what happened to this poet. And then these fundamental aspects of her own journey are slowly being revealed. And there's just a lot of humour, but there's also a lot of darkness. And, you know, she suffers this sort of really traumatic time, um, which kind of ultimately almost leads to a tragedy. And she just becomes obsessed with, you know, finding this woman and what happened to her. It's absolutely stunning. It's a gorgeous, gorgeous book. And I think anyone who, who writes, I would recommend it to read them just, just from that point of view because of how, how you know, technically it's, it's absolutely brilliant. But I think also for, you know, people who, who just like to read and, and who are interested in human beings and are interested in people's stories, this is a story that you want to read and you want to have part of your life. Yeah, as I said right at the start, I remember you, you tweeted about it at the time, so it kind of piqued my interest. And actually, before we did this recording, and I, I kind of was just Googling it, and there's a brilliant wee uh, piece of video that you can watch on YouTube. She shot it in her car, and it was around about the time when the book had just come out. And the reason she shot it in the car was because she wrote most of the book in her car, because she said that she used to drop the kids off at school, and then she would drive to the roof of the local car park, and that's where she would write the book, which in itself is... It's absolutely brilliant, but I suppose it's that idea of you need that space and just a bit of isolation to be able to con kind of concentrate, but just this idea of this, you know, woman sitting in a, a car just to get that focus and concentration and then producing this work of art. I think that was one of the things, Paul, that really fascinated me about her because obviously there was that period between her being offered the deal by Tramp and then actually kind of finishing the book and, and going through the whole publication process and and she did put a lot of that in social media. And so there was often stuff of her in her car. And I just found it, it was so inspiring because, you know, how difficult must that have been? Sometimes she was, um, you know, putting stuff up and it was freezing and raining. And, you know, she's sitting in her car and completely lost in her story. And 
you know, for me to have somebody who's so dedicated to their craft like that, I think for a writer, you know, it kind of just reminds you like, you know, come on, this is why you're doing it because you have to impart what you have inside you. And she's just this perfect example of doing that in a way that, you know, you're so determined and, and she's not just doing it for herself. You know, she wants to share that experience with other people. And honestly, please read it. You'll get so much from it. And I think, I think people will be surprised. It's maybe not necessarily an obvious choice, but which is why I'm absolutely delighted that it's done so well in terms of, um, you know, prizes and publicity and feedback, because it, it potentially could have been a book that only certain people would have been interested in it. But I think just by some clever marketing and the fact that she is so brilliant in herself, it's become a really popular book. And that's lovely to see the fact that something that is so different and maybe hasn't been written before in that style or with that approach um, has become something that um, I think people who would normally experiment with their reading that have wanted to go and buy. So all hail to her. Well, do you know what? When I said, when I watched that wee video of her, and one of the things which is going to take, take me on to the book that I've chosen for this, uh, which is a book by Richard Ford, the book is short stories called Sorry for Your Trouble. And I always remember one of uh, Richard Ford's famous quotes, which I completely disagree with, but he says something along the lines of, the enemy of the writer is the pram in the hallway. So he's never had children, and he's, his argument would be as an artist, as a writer, that, that that has to be his focus, that has to be his priority, as it were. Although I'm sure in saying that he's been married for 50 years, so obviously that is equally as important. Mm-hmm. But I, I completely disagree with that, uh, that whole philosophy, that whole argument. But I mean, obviously with uh, Darren Nagifa as, you know, having four young kids, again, having to maybe, it's a different challenges, but still being able to produce something. It, it kind of, for me, that negates what Richard Ford, his argument would be. I mean, it's, it's life experiences that give you the power to write, isn't it? So it, it kind of, it, it just makes sense that, that changes and alterations in the person that you are will empower you in different ways. And saying that, I mean, I do, I mean, I'm a big fan of Richard Ford, so, and uh, he's written books that are considerably better than mine, so maybe, maybe there's something. <laughs> in the book that I chose, uh, it was a book he brought out this, this year, it was a book of short stories, uh, say called Sorry for Your Trouble. Um, this kind of loose interconnection is, they're all based on the Irish-American experience. Either in, most of them are set in the United States, there was maybe one in Canada, there was one or two that are set back in Ireland as well. And that's the kind of thread. Sometimes it's just a very loose thread. It's just maybe almost like a passing remark or a passing sentence, which links somebody back to Ireland or something to do with Ireland. But they're kind of sim- very similar. I always think, and I'm not sure if part of the reason I like Richard Ford is, is particularly as I get older, he writes very much, I think, predominantly, certainly the middle-aged, middle-aged male experience, I think, but, but a lot of dealing with a lot of things that as you get older you have to deal with, which is love, grief, disappointment, marital things, things with children, you know, so it's the kind of the life experience, which I always think he does really well, and obviously I'm a big fan of his Frank Bascom novels. You know, when you, you read a good short story, and it is that idea of you're kind of just kind of dipped in at a certain point in the story, and then you dip out and he leaves you, you then have to almost write the rest of the story yourself, which I think is, you know, you wonder what the backstory is, but then you wonder what happens in the future. And I think these, these stories work really well. I've been a big fan of, of Richard as well. I mean, I love to thank Bascom series. I thought they were incredibly well written. I kind of fell out of them when it came to Canada, though. That was, I couldn't even finish that. 
I didn't enjoy that at all. I don't know why. I've never even been able to pick it up again. Can I give you a top tip for reading it? Yeah. Well, I read it the, the first time. I think it was the first time that we, or the second time we visited New York. And so I remember getting up early in the morning and I think it was maybe second or third avenue. The, the hotel looked over. So it was great just sitting first thing in the morning okay. down there. So it's maybe the second. <laughs> so maybe I have to go on a wee holiday, Paul? Absolutely, yeah. 2021 will be the year of the holiday. Do you know, it's funny because one of the things, again, I, I like Richard Ford's writing style and, you know, you're very much in the stories. He is quite a strange character, but and I think, you know, I mentioned that idea of, well, obviously he decided he chose not to have children and, and that was a clash with his creativity. But he also, uh, he reacts very negatively to reviews because it was a story, oh, really? I think, yeah, I think it was last year. Uh, or the year before, and it might even have been this book actually, somebody had, had posted a, a, there was another writer who'd written a, a review that was less than glowing, and he filmed, and his wife must have filmed them in the back garden of his house, uh, with a copy of the, the reviewer's book, and he shot it. That's, that was his reaction to the, the negative review. Yeah. Um, that, maybe that's part of the reason why I'm praising you're, you're, you're really selling this book. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm praising the book partly of uh, self-preservation. Well, I'm going to take your word for it then, Paul, and I'll give it a go. But as I say, don't post any negative reviews in case... <laughs> in case... case, he, in, case he shoots, <laughs> in case he shoots your book. Uh, just before we go on to uh, talk about your fiction choice, um, obviously, I think the last time when we were speaking on the podcast, you were in the process of, I think, finishing your novel, or it was, it was out in the world looking to find a home, which, if you want to update people on, on the state of play with it at the moment. I think actually the last time we spoke in the podcast, I had received a rejection that day. But we've moved on since then. And I had a lovely publishing offer from uh, Linen Press in the summer there. So the novel will be coming out almost then in early 2021. We've been kind of discussing a lot as to when is the best time to actually bring the novel out. Initially, we had thought about, because I was offered the deal in the summer, you know, maybe trying to get together and getting the book out in time for Christmas but I think as kind of Covid kind of went on and it became more unrealistic that uh, things were going to change that we decided that it would probably be better to push into the new year but I'm very excited and I just hope that uh, it's going to come out at a time where we can actually be physically together with people and, and have a proper launch rather than a virtual launch so yeah very excited very grateful to Lennon I'm just waiting on the proofs arriving actually which is very exciting Gone through all the edit process, which I have to say was a really enjoyable process. All smooth sailing, which was lovely. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. And what's the book called? It's called Almost Then. Probably the timing is, is good, you know, because I think a lot of writers who brought their books, you know, this year, obviously things are different. They haven't been able to book launches. A lot of times bookshops have been closed. So they kind of open in early 2021. Things will be better. And you'll be able to do all those things in take advantage of the fact that people are just, I want to kind of embrace books again and go into bookshops and, and discover new books. Yeah, I hope people aren't like me and like uh, just couldn't face reading for a period. I want them to be buoyant and, and full of the joys of what uh, literary magic can be. I'm really, really excited. And scared as well. You know what it's like. You've been there yourself and you put everything into your piece of work and then it's between yourself for such a long time and then the publisher and then eventually it has to go out there to readers, which is your ultimate goal. That's that's what you want. You want to share your story. But it's always a little bit scary as well um, because it doesn't become your story anymore. It belongs to other people. 
and the interpretations are all different from their own in but that's good that's exciting I want to see um, how my characters relate with other brains other than mine well that's exciting news for 2021 we're now on to your fiction choice for your, your favourite read of 2020 and the book that you've chosen is a book called Girl, Woman, Other by Bernadine Evaristo yes and I know you're seeing uh, my choice of 2020, but like I said, it's probably really my choice of October just because of that gap in my my literally life. I, I know it's an older book. Obviously, it, it won the Booker last year. That shared prize with Margaret, I have to say, I think it should have, have won in its own. Not any discredit to Margaret Atwood, but this book is stunning. And I think I'll always associate it with getting me back into things. I picked the book up maybe a dozen times during the, the whole... COVID lockdown period and, and never got past the first kind of paragraph because I just couldn't get in my head into that space. But in the particular moment that I did pick it up, I couldn't put it back down again. I actually read it in uh, one night, like right through, stayed up all night because I could not put it down. It is so good. So basically, uh, I mean, I think most people kind of know the story now because it, it's a book that's, you know, become so famous. But essentially, it's, it's a book with 12 um, different characters and it's kind of split up over like four different sections and all these characters are either directly related or they're linked in some way towards the kind of big sort of major scene at the end. And it's just about so many different things. It's about being a woman. It's about how we relate to one another. It's about sexuality. It's about politics. It's about race. It's just such an eye-opener on... Um, you know how we relate with one another how we see one another you know there's a big focus on intersectionality how we perceive people in different ways and I think as you know as Scots maybe grown up in Glasgow or for myself you know kind of having that shared experience in Ireland I think sometimes we do have quite a sort of narrow view of the world and experiences can often be you know shaped by you know sectarianism and and things that that maybe directly have affected our our own lives and and maybe we don't understand not don't understand but you know London's a different city life is different in London as as it is in Glasgow so it's such an eye-opener it's just beautifully written again it's um you know it's not your traditional style it's um it's written in such a rhythmic manner you know, forget about punctuation, forget about all these things that, you know, normally an editor would be sitting down and with a red pen and crossing them out. It's just so beautiful how it's, um, it's just this flow. It's this flow of just beautiful words, incredibly strong interweaving narratives and, and just awareness, awareness of all those different aspects that we talked about. It's a book that you honestly genuinely can't put down and you've probably read it yourself, Paul. I've not read it yet. No, I've Have got it in the house, but no, I've not read it yet. Well, please do as well. I mean, I think it's, um, you, you might look at it and think, mm, I don't necessarily think that is a book for me because, um, you know, it is about 12 women. Actually, that's quite a strong theme because both the books that I've, I've recommended today are very women focused, while yours has been very men focused. But I'm willing to try yours, Paul, if you try mine. <laughs> that's fair enough. I find her a really engaging person whenever I've seen her being interviewed. I think there's a kind of very intelligent, very precise but you want to engage with them, and I, I think you know that's one of the reasons why I, you know I won't get around to reading the book. I also think I think it's an eighth novel. You always hear anecdotally nowadays that a lot of publishers, you know, the writer, you know, the first time they bring out a book, if the, the first book or the second book isn't a, a massive success, unlike maybe in previous years, they kind of just let them go, and they're always looking for the next best thing. So I wonder whether just you know being allowed to develop your craft over many books, and obviously having that 
potential and ability to the point where you do win the Booker Prize. Somebody needs to have a bit of faith in you as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that's quite an astonishing part of her story that, you know, she's not a new writer and we kind of act as if we've just discovered her, whereas she's actually been plugging away and been, and been brilliant for such a long time. Whereas obviously I, I read Shuggy as well, Shuggy Bain, which is a strong contender. And I do think everybody should read that. But the contrast there, like, you know, he's this debut novelist and who's just like, wow. He took 12 years to write that. You know, that's a story that's taken him a long time. Although as his first novel, it's, you know, I, I, was, yeah. I was interested that he never sat down six months ago and, and wrote this masterpiece. But it's taken him years to, to get it to that I, point. I think you can feel that in the work because I think it's so personal. Um, obviously, it's not like, it's not a memoir. It's not, you know, it's not a direct recount of his life, but there's so many aspects of his own life and his own personality in there. And you can kind of see that it must have been incredibly difficult to navigate his way through some of those scenes. And maybe he just needed that time in his life to be able to, you know, to react and relate to different aspects of what happened and, and be able to write them in that in that way that we can access them and read it. No, it's, it's a great book and it was probably close. Also, Scabby Keen was uh, a close contender as well. Fabulous Scottish books, but I think the Bernadine book is... It's just edged it because... It's new to me. It's different. I think with Shuggy Bean and with Scabby Queen, I could relate to them really, really strongly. Like I, I knew the characters because I've met them. That they've been part of my life. I, I've probably been aspects of their lives, you know, from certain things that have happened in my life. So I think for for uh, girl, woman, other, it was so completely different that it just allowed me to you know, delve into a completely different world, but learn so much as well. I mean, I really, really feel as if it educated me in, in so many different aspects of life that I, sh- I should have been better at, I should have been more, more aware of. So uh, from that point of view, it's kind of, I mean, it's subtle, but it's um, it's strong in terms of lecturing you a little bit, but not in a lecturing way, in, in a kind of gentle and open your eyes, just try and understand what other people's lives are like. And it, it certainly hit me really hard. I loved it. Well, I shall uh, certainly put that on my, my never-ending list of, of books to be read. And <laughs> probably the most pleasing thing is that we've all heard that you're, you're back into the, the reading rhythm, which is which is always good to hear. Oh, I'm on fire now. Honestly, on fire. Can't wait. I'm reading Hamnet just now, which is lovely. Maggie O'Farrell. Who doesn't love a Maggie O'Farrell? I'm hoping Santa brings me that for my Christmas. Oh, it's, it's great. It's, it's really, really good. And I feel quite sad because I've got so many lovely books that could, I just know could have been contenders. Um, after Hamnet, I'm firing into Elizabeth Reader's new book, An Archive of Happiness, and I'm, I'm sure that will be magnificent too. So maybe we can chat about that another time. Excellent, and then I'm hoping that if I do this again next, this time next year, that at least one of the guests will choose your novel as their favourite fiction reader of 2021. <gasps> can you imagine? Oh, that would be just the best. Can you just choose it and pretend? I will, I will, I will say nice things about it. Um, <laughs> Well, listen, Margot, thanks for, for being my guest on the 12 Days of Bookmas. It's always brilliant to talk books with you, and you've given me, and I'm sure everybody else, more recommendations. And as we said at the top of the show, uh, have a happy Christmas when it comes. Thank you, and you too, and thanks for having me on. Thanks for listening to the 12 Days of Bookness, a special Read All About It podcast series that is so special it even has its own theme tune. 
You can subscribe to the podcast and leave a review, which will help other book lovers find us. And I hope you can join me, Paul Cuddy, on the next episode. In the meantime, keep reading. Thank you.